I'm Kimberly C. Paul. Today we talk with Reverend Terry Daniel. Terry is an ordained interfaith minister, author, and end-of-life educator, helping others discover a more spiritual understanding of death and beyond. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. Thank you so much for joining us today. What sparked your interest in the whole death and dying thing? Um, I think what sparked what sparked my interest is pretty much what sparks almost everybody's interest in this field, and that is a personal experience, a profound personal experience with death. In my case, it was my son's death at age 16. Um, but the spiritual piece was something that I always had because I was always a mystical spiritual kid starting when I was about 12. So that, my young life filled with spiritual seeking uh, kind of culminated in figuring out where all the pieces fit with the death of my son. What does that mean, mystical? Well, I knew when I was 12 or even younger that the what I knew of religion from around me in the culture didn't make sense, didn't resonate. And I knew, I don't know how I knew, I just knew that's what makes it mystical because it's just a knowing that there was more to it than that. And so I was always interested, you know, and my father had on his bookshelf a little, you know, those books that come like five in a little box set of, of the world's five major religions. And I actually started reading them when I was 12. I don't think I really understood them, but I understood enough to know that what we have in this culture is very limited. And then when I was 16, I got interested in the Bible and read that. And when I was 19, I read the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and it just started from there. So tell me, you, you've got an interesting background, which I think is fascinating, because you went from corporate America marketing career to an ordained minister to a clinical chaplain. Also, you've worked with hospice organizations. How did you go from all of that to assisting people with grief and and even beyond grief? What's out there beyond this physical body that we all live in? Well, again, it was because of my son. You know, he died 10 years ago. I had I began having conversations with him and visits from him and very close relationship with him and others who were with him on the other side. I always believed in that. I always knew that that was possible. But I never experienced it myself until then. Well, I did, but not to that degree. What, did, what was that like? I mean, did you actually hear voices? Did you see oh, people? Yeah. You did. Well, you mean after he died? Yeah. Um, he, well, during the last couple years of his life, he was sick for eight years. Um, I was working with a channeler who was my teacher and mentor and was teaching me a lot of stuff. And I had already started meditating and channeling and opening up and uh, connecting with guides. I, I was doing that for the last three years of my son's life. I realize now that it was my training and preparation to be able to have communication with him. And so 
explain what does a channeler mean? We're all channelers. We're all channels. So basically, um, when we come here to Earth, we come from the soup, you know, the big cosmic soup. And we break off from that, if you will, and, and come into incarnation. But we're still connected to that fabric, that, you know, essence, that light essentially is what it is and the only difference between someone who channels and someone who thinks they don't is that those of us who channel know that that connection is still open we can call home anytime we want and we do that through meditation all the great great spiritual teachers have told us this jesus even said you know that you can do that everybody has said that, but of course the teachings that have been made available to us for centuries have been clouded with politics and uh, power agendas. So we didn't really get the whole story. So now we think it's so amazing that somebody can channel, but anybody can tune in and listen to divine guidance through dreams, through meditation, through ritual. It's lots of ways. You know, this is really fascinating. Channeling is just receiving your own stuff. And you can channel for other people. It's just intuitive messages that you pick up. Uh, but it's not specifically messages from people who've died. So you you talked to your son, and during your son's illness, he was unable to communicate with you. At the end, yes. You now, your son and you now communicate. Not the same way we used to. The first few years, it was very intense. I mean, we had conversations just like you and I are having conversations now. And my first book... A Swan in Heaven was completely based on our conversations. The second book, he was kind of like an editor, uh, co-writer in the background. And and he's, he's faded away now, but not for any reason other than, you know, five years ago, I was really upset. Like, where is he? I can't feel him anymore. And I learned from all the mediums and channelers and teachers that I work with at the Afterlife Conference that... Um, Relationships change, even interdimensional ones. So if you've been married to someone for 10 years, it's not the same as it was in year nine as it was in year three, right? Right. And relationships between dimensions go through those changes too. I'm changing and growing. He's changing and growing. We So the communication is a different style now. And again, you actually hear him talking. Not really. Not in a clairaudient way. Um, okay. In the very beginning, I did, but more it's like I feel ideas and words and images that I know are not my own, and I can feel, wow. I can feel his presence. So, not so much anymore the way as strong as it used to be. But I used to be able to feel him or something tickling my back, and I always felt like he was standing behind me and hugging me from behind, and I could always feel that. And I always, I would get like pages and pages and pages of information from him, which is how I wrote my books. What did this interaction, how did that help you deal with your grief? Well, it uh, explained to me in great detail a a couple of very important and very different things. Um, That one, nobody ever really leaves the universe all energy continues to exist indefinitely. So people who die are still in relationship with us. The relationship just takes a different form. That was one thing I learned that really helped with the grief. Um, Also, before I had something that people who are dealing with a long illness, it's called anticipatory grief, 
So you do a lot of your grieving before the person actually dies. It's not like one day they just die. Suddenly, it's a very different process. Plus, I already had a very strong belief in reincarnation and pre-birth agreements. So his death by the time he died did not shock me or devastate me like it might for somebody else who has a different perspective. The other way it helped is it motivated me to actually study culture and religion and history related to death in a formal setting. So that's why I went to school at 56 and got these degrees in theology so that I could understand all the ideas that humans have crafted about death and the afterlife. And as I realized I was going to become a chaplain and a teacher, I needed to be well-versed in all those ideas so that I could talk to people from different traditions. So turning the corner on, on Grief Street, tell me a little bit about that book. Yeah, that's that's the one that's different. So what, that book is a wonderful story. Um, I had a, a channeled vision one day, uh, just came to me in the shower, this little analogy about grief. And it was, if you're standing on a busy street and, and you're, you're just stuck there, you only see one perspective of the street, but you could go walk to the corner and look over this way and see a whole other perspective. Or you can take the elevator to the top of the skyscraper and see this view, or you can go down in the subway and see what's underneath. And this is what you can do with your grief rather than being stuck in this one place of this isn't fair how could god do this to me children aren't supposed to die before their parents all that stuff where so many people are there are different ways to look at it and um i came up with this little it just came to me so i posted it on facebook on one of my facebook groups and it went viral and it went to all these grief groups where all, there's a there's a whole community in this world of very angry, grieving people. And they got hold of this and they started posting that I'm a charlatan and I'm just out to exploit people's pain. And one person said, what are you going to do? Write a book called Turning the Corner on Grief Street? And I said, yes, that will be the title of, I will do that. And that's how that book came about. So how does awareness of life after death help us with the pain of grieving? Well, I want to just go back for a minute to different books. My perspective on grief is very different, which is why some people get angry at me. But in current research now about grief, uh, we are seeing that Americans or Westerners or people in the Judeo-Christian mindset have a very limited set of tools for coping with grief and loss and new tools are coming out there are two excellent books on this one's called the other side of sadness by george bonanno who studies cultures all over the world and how they cope with grief and points out that we in this culture are not good at resilience because we're so spoiled you know if our electrical power goes off for 10 minutes we fall to pieces you know Um, And another book, I think it's called The Truth About Grief, and I cannot remember the author's name. These are two books that are radically different, very much like mine. 
So it's really important that people start to look at that because you're right. All the grief books are exactly the same. And that's where you sort of started a conference be called Afterlife Awareness. And in how it was inspired was sort of interesting. Well, it's very much the same thing as what happened with Turning the Corner on Grief Street and the same mindset. Um, this was There is an organization uh, worldwide uh, for grieving parents, and they're very well known, and they have a conference every year. And the conference was coming to my town, Portland, Oregon. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'll go see if I can speak at their conference about how we receive signs and messages from our loved ones on the other side. And I sent them a proposal, and they sent me back these nasty responses saying, we do not allow that subject at our conference. It's very upsetting to the parents. Um, you know, so absolutely, we do not allow any discussion of that. And I wrote back and said, but I am sure that at least half of these parents are receiving signs of some kind, and maybe half of them aren't, and they can go to another thing, presentation because they had five things scheduled in the same time slot so it's not like everybody had to listen to my talk anyway they wrote me another nasty letter and I started to investigate this and I found out that a lot of the leading people in this work studying after-death communication famous people like Bill Guggenheim who wrote hello from heaven had been turned down by this group as well, at least you're in good company then. Yes, and Sandy Goodman, uh, Eben Alexander, they won't let him talk there. So I just, this was before Eben Alexander came on the scene, but I just said, well, the heck with that, I'm going to start my own conference. And that was seven years ago. And here we are, the Afterlife Conference. Afterlifeconference.com. There you go. Plug it. Um, so do you have this once a year? Yes. And so usually it's in the spring or fall? It's in either May or June. Uh, okay. In 2018, it's going to be in the fall. It juggles around, you know, and, and that has to do with my schedule because I'm still in school. So uh, depending what I'm doing in school, I have to put the conference in a different month. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And I really do appreciate you coming on today and, and helping us. And I encourage everyone, if you're interested in this, to to look at the Afterlife uh, Conference. Give me that website one more time. Afterlifeconference.com. Look it up and and, and meet Terry out there um, and, and just have an open mind about what the possibilities could be. And I really do appreciate your time. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.